31 flavors. Does the phrase sound familiar? Does it invoke certain pictures and images? Perhaps, quite possibly, of a tiny, hot pink spoon. If you know anything about 31 Flavors, you probably had the chance to visit, uh, maybe here locally, close by, one of the many shops throughout uh, the U.S., worldwide, and, uh, and you've had the chance to wield the power of the hot pink spoon. An idea, a concept uh, uh, pioneered by the founders where they uh, would give you a tiny spoon and allow you to try any one of the different flavors on display of the day and that you could taste as many as you like. Did you know that? before selecting which scoop of ice cream you could have. If you were careful, you could probably get a full other scoop, spoon by spoon, if that's your thing. 31 flavors. Anybody ever gone 31 flavors? All right. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a uh, common name is Baskin and Robbins. Baskin and Robbins. But when I was a youngster here uh, hanging around, um, there used to be a, a 31 flavor store in Chula Vista on 4th and, I think it was D, 4th and D, um, and I remember wondering to myself, what does that mean, 31 flavors, and why, where did that come from? So I did a little research uh, to figure out why they would pick 31 flavors, and here's what I found. Uh, <clears throat> the founders of uh, Baskin and Robbins uh, began after World War II, the, the, the gentlemen, um, they were brother-in-laws, and uh, they had an affinity for ice cream. One worked at his father's ice cream shop. The other one made ice cream while they were in the service, and when they returned from the war, they began to... Um, uh, work in shops and eventually started their own and eventually they merged into this chain that we commonly know as Baskin Robbins. And they decided that one of their slogans would be to provide uh, 31 flavors. At the time, there was another large ice cream uh, chain that would sell 28 flavors and then sort of like trying to one-up them, they said, we, but we provide 31 flavors. But the slogan was essentially one flavor for every day of the week. Now, for some of you, that sounds just perfect, right? Ice cream every day. That sounds great to me. I love ice cream. It's one of my things. I like ice cream like hand-scooped. I like ice cream in the milkshakes. I like ice cream on a stick. I love ice cream. My wife's more partial to cookies, but me, I could do ice cream. I don't know who came up with that, that little tub that you can buy, you know, before, you used to only get the big one, but now you get like a, like a personal size, right? Because I remember back in the day, you go to the store, and it was either like Neapolitan, it was like three flavors or nothing, or vanilla or chocolate, but now they have all, you can get your own and go home. Well, 31 Flavors pioneered that idea that there would be so many different combinations and that you could go and you could choose and you could um, experiment, and they would work really hard to come up with different flavors, but I have a list here of the original 31 flavors. Anyone want to take a guess if you're an ice cream fan like me? Vanilla, of course. But that was an easy one. Yes, vanilla. Anybody else? Strawberry, yes. Come on. Chocolate, of course. But that's only three. Mint chip? Oh, you're close. You're close. Pistachio? No, that's a little bourgeois. It's a little, no. No, pistachio that came much later. Chocolate chip. Yes, definitely chocolate chip. I'm going to give you some of the original ones that maybe you're familiar or not familiar with. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> um, date nut. Anybody? Date nut. 
That's one of the original 31 flavors. Let's try another one. Eggnog. Mmm. That sounds... <laughs> Green mint stick. Now, I don't know what that means. Green mint stick. Lemon custard. Oh, that's good. If you have, That's really good stuff right there. Uh, uh, let's try another one. Uh, peppermint stick. I don't know why the deal is with stick. Vanilla burnt almond. Vanilla burnt almond. Um, of course, these were the original ones. Over time, they developed some that were much more successful, including um, mint chocolate chip, much later in a, in a you know, a, a bestseller. And my favorite, I still get it every time I go, pralines and cream. Anybody? Yeah? Oh. <laughs> right? It's got a little, little caramel taste to it, a little crunchy, a little sugar. Oh. I can taste it now. 31 flavors. I'm grateful for their invention and for their idea. But what captivated me most about their story is this concept, this idea. They said, we will, we will have at least, every time you come visit, 31 flavors. One for each day of the month. You can have ice cream every day of the month. Of course, by now, they've developed thousands of different flavor combinations. Some a little more successful than date nut. Some a little less. But it, I, I was fascinated by the idea that you could provide a different flavor for every day of the month. And I want to take this analogy of 31 flavors to discover and to think about what God has in store for us as a church. Now, you might be trying to create right now. Some of you think real fast. What is he talking about, 31 flavors? Some would say, okay, here in this community, we're especially proud of the fact that we have a number of nationalities. I don't think we've hit 31. Last count, we are about 28 nationalities. We lost Argentina. We gained Bolivia. Woohoo! <laughs> we were still about 28, but that's not it. Some might say we have uh, 31 different kinds of personalities in here. That's right. Different personalities, but uh, that's not it either. No, today I want to talk to you about the 31 flavors of God's gifting for our church. If you would please turn in your books and your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We are in Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 4. <clears throat> in the book of Romans, chapter 12, we find a little bit of instruction about the variety and diversity that God has blessed us with. And I want you to follow along with me as we read uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, the first few verses are actually included in your bulletin, but if you, uh, if you have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you, uh, we'd like you to follow along as best as possible. Or if you're having trouble seeing, pull out your iPhone, and you can scoop it up there. I'm sure it's backlit. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, let's start with verse 4. And it says this. Just as each one of us has one body, but with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us. Earlier this morning during first service, we talked about a, a similar expression the Apostle Paul does, but to the Church of Corinth instead of the Church of Rome, where he describes that essentially God is the one who has given different gifts. God is the one who has diff given different service acts to do. God is the one who tells us what to do, but God brings us all together. And, and, and that description, which is also included in your bulletin, in chapter 12 of the book of 1 Corinthians says that whatever God gives... He gives for the common good. 
It's as if God has, in his own wisdom, Bible says, according to the grace of his spirit, Bible says, spread out flavors of gifting throughout the church. And that each of these flavors or gifts comes together to make a better whole than they would independently. Now, every time I go to 31 Flavors, I, I, I tend to lean to pralines and cream. But the fact that there's lots of other flavors is good. If I went to an ice cream store and they had only one flavor every day, I would stop going there. Even if it was the only flavor I like. Because, because when you put things together, it creates a vibrancy that doesn't exist when something is there by itself. So look at this here, where we are in Romans chapter 12, and it says that as each one of us has one body but many different parts, hands, feet, fingers, nose, eyes, ear, all these different parts, he says, so it is with Christ. In Christ, we who are many, that's all of you, become one. Each member belonging to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us. Over the last several months, uh, well, I shouldn't say several months. During the summer, we've been putting an emphasis here on our campus on servanthood. On the call that we have to love our neighbor as ourselves and to do for others. To put ourselves at the back of the line and to bless others. And specifically, last week, we challenged ourselves with the idea that God has asked us to do stuff on his behalf, not just say stuff on his behalf. We've challenged ourselves with the idea, uh, especially expressed in that parable in the New Testament, when Jesus went up to the fig tree, saw that it was just standing there with leaves but no fruit, and God cursed it, I mean Jesus cursed it, with the idea that essentially God has given us everything possible for us to produce fruit, to do good works on his behalf. The New Testament is ripe with, with uh, messages that say that God has provided for us so that we can do things in his name, produce fruit in his name. But the Bible also challenges us not just, just to be people to pretend, speak, talk a good game, but people who also do on God's behalf. And as we talked about this last week and as we challenge ourselves, especially with an attitude check as to why we're doing, in the back of my mind last week as we were talking, I could hear a good friend of mine who's part of the church community who would say, okay, that sounds good, but now What? What do I do? What? How? Where? The specifics. Yes, we can talk about how, how God wants us to move from being people who just talk about God, who people who resemble God in doing things. And in here, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul wants us to focus and zero in on specifics, on the what, specifically also on the how. So let's follow along, please, one more time. Just as each, chapter 12, verse 4, book of Romans, just as each one of us has one body but many members, and all these members do not have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And we have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us. And here we go. You ready? If a man or woman's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, then let him do it cheerfully. Apostle Paul begins to break down what we commonly know as spiritual gifts. These things, these abilities, perhaps these functions that God has given to us that are supposed to make up the community of faith, the body. So he speaks specifically here about teaching, prophesying, serving, encouraging, contributing, 
leadership showing mercy. That is just a portion. And in common understanding in, in Christian circles, and also especially in Adventist circles, we know as we study the Bible that, 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 that there are at least 27 different spiritual gifts that the New Testament outlines as things that God gives us individually according to his grace that allow us to bless and benefit the community. Now some of those gifts are very popular. I want to talk to you a little bit about those. Some of those are very well known and accepted. I'll give you some. Specifically, the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching. Now, you have uh, undoubtedly in your experience, you know, in school and other places, have come across people that are gifted at teaching. They have a way about them, whether it's their communication style or their creativity or, or their, just their general understanding of a subject matter. They have a way of teaching, passing on knowledge and information. You probably have someone in your mind, just as I mentioned this, a favorite teacher or someone who really, I know who it was for me, Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee taught me everything. Uh, some of you might know Mr. Lee. Uh, Mr. Lee was awesome. They, they had a way about him. Now, I don't know if he had any other gifts. He was a little rough around the edges in other places, but he could teach. He taught me English and gave me a solid, solid, solid foundation. And there may be some people that you can understand who have the gift of teaching. But this isn't just teaching as a profession. No. Specifically, what we're talking about is spiritual gifts. The ability to teach in the community of faith. The ability to pass on knowledge from God in the community of faith. It may be that some of you have this teaching gift. Now, you're not teachers by profession. You, you might be an engineer. You, you might do something completely different. But God has given you this function in the body that you're supposed to teach. There's other gifts here. There is um, uh, other well sort of known and accepted, like the prophetic gift. Also, very uh, difficult to understand for many. Um, the prophetic gift is an ability to receive messages from God and communicate them like an advanced messenger from God. And we have historically uh, the gift of prophecy throughout Bible, throughout time, even in, in our church. But it's a gift that exists presently. Although, it's sometimes difficult to discern. And you will read in other places, uh, they have people who, who have the gift of evangelism. They're evangelists. People who can preach the gospel to those who don't already know and they have a way about them, whether it's their demeanor or their ability to connect with people. Those are, those are kind of known, well accepted. Uh, the gift of pastoring. The gift of pastoring, unlike the office of a pastor, is the ability to care for someone on an ongoing basis, sort of like a spiritual mentor on an ongoing basis. And it resides in the people in the church, not just in the office of the pastor. Sometimes it doesn't even reside in the office of the pastor. Sometimes it resides solely in the community. But those are kind of known and accepted. But the Bible describes many other gift things, some that are sort of uh, ignored. L look at this one, uh, encouraging, encouragement. That's a gift. That's a purpose. That's a role that God has given somebody in our church that they're supposed to encourage others. Maybe it's simple, like a pat on the back. A knowing glance. Maybe it's more significant, like continued words of affirmation over the course of a difficult trial or a challenging season in life. But God tells us here through, the, through Paul in the book of Romans that he has given all these different gifts to the church according to his grace. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he says essentially that those gifts are given for the common good. And I propose this morning, and I'll propose to you again, that you will not have a, a strong and vibrant spirituality unless you are contributing your gift for the common good. 
Now this morning we talked about uh, what I call symbiotic spirituality. This idea that when two different people, different organisms, or like us, a community of different people, different personalities, nationalities, jobs, professions, etc., come together, there's a certain power that's generated by us living in community, but it's only generated when we contribute for the benefit of the whole. Much like in nature, mutualism, uh, a, a mutualistic symbiotic symbiotic relationship is one where two organisms, when they live together, cooperate together and create something better. I specifically mentioned this morning, I want to mention you quickly, uh, lichens, which is a combination of fungus and algae. Each of them independently have their own characteristics and ability to, to, uh, to live under certain climates. But when they come together, they create a lichen. They're not, they're not fused. They're still a fungus and an algae, but they come together and they develop a whole different kind of morphology so that they can live and exist in the most um, challenging of places I mentioned this morning. Like, like on, the, on the top of uh, toxic uh, waste, they can rise up there. Or, or uh, uh, Arctic tundra. Or, or in the center of volcanoes, lichens can grow there. A fungus can do it on its own. Algae could not do it on its own. But together, they create this, uh, this, this, this power. And similarly for us, God has called us, your gift, whether that's teaching, encouraging, generosity, or one of the many others, God has called us to bring it together. Because when you bring your gift, and they bring theirs, and I bring mine, when we come together, it produces a spirituality that is hardier, stronger, more vibrant than we could do solely on our own. I mentioned this morning also that there's different kinds of symbiotic relationships one is called commensalism, when there is one organism who sort of benefits from the other but doesn't contribute any. The example I gave this morning was of a spider. A spider will um, uh, put a web up uh, on one of your shrubs in your backyard and use all the different branches to spread out its web so it catches more prey. And it benefits the spider, but it does nothing for the plant. It brings no extra water to the plant. It takes away no sunlight. It neither hurts nor helps the plant. And for some of us, we have been receiving blessings from the church, from the community of faith, maybe even from other people who are exhibiting their gifts, but we are not contributing our own. The Bible is clear here, both in 1 Corinthians and Romans, that God has, according to his grace, given each one something of value to the community. But maybe you're like the spider, benefiting, but not really contributing. Worse yet, some people I described this morning are in a symbiotic relationship that's called parasitism. Just a parasite. And you know what a parasite is, like a flea or a tick or some other parasite who gets into the organism, maybe, maybe even on your own skin, and latches on and sucks out nutrients and blood and only harms but gives nothing in return. It's just hurting you. When I was a child, uh, I couldn't gain any weight. When I moved here from... Um, from Bolivia, I, could, I was tiny, I was skinny, and uh, I would eat a ton, and I couldn't get any weight. And so uh, they took me to doctors and said, oh, it's easy. You got some intestinal stuff. Uh, I said, well, what, what kind of stuff? And they're like, oh, where are you from? Well, I was, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the name of the, the stuff, but I had some sort, of, some sort of tapeworm or something. If you know what a tapeworm is, um, and so I had to drink uh, all kinds of things. They made me a cocktail of pure aloe vera juice. Not the kind you can buy now. It's got like sweeteners. No, no, the, the real yucky stuff. And I had to chug this stuff down. And eventually, 
it, it uh, you know, killed the organs. And then clearly you can see I got no problems with getting, gaining weight. But back then, I had a parasite living inside of me who was taking all my nutrients away. Every time I ate a nutritious meal, the parasite would take all the nutrients and it can grow fairly big on the inside. Uh, that's a parasitic relationship. And oftentimes for some of us, that's the kind of relationship we are having with the church community, with the body of Christ. We come and we suck out the life. We want blessings. We want benefits. But we don't just not contribute. We harm with our complaints, critical attitude, disruptive behavior, our decision to close the door on people who seek our help. And God is challenging us here. He's saying, in Christ, we who are many form one. But notice this phrase, each member belongs to all the others. It's a description here that's challenging, and it's challenging mine, and I hope it's challenging your idea of what it means to be a member of the community of faith. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Woo, good thing I'm just a visitor here. But trust me, this is intended for you as well. See, if you are a follower of Christ, if you want to follow Christ, it doesn't matter whether you're a member of this particular church, you're a member of the body of Christ. And as a member of the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit has come down to your doorstep and blessed your life and your heart and and, and given you a purpose and a mission and yes, a gift, a gifting. Book of 1 Corinthians says, be sure of this, that everyone has received something and that what you've got, it's meant for the common good. So that's why here in Romans, Paul says, that's why we belong to each other. This expression goes on in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, so a hand can't say, well, I'm not a foot, I'm not an eye, not a mouth, therefore, I'm not part of the body. He says, just because you don't think you have value does not mean that you are not a part of the body. Just because you're visiting today or because you're new in our community, because you don't know much about Adventism, does not mean that you don't have a gift, something to give. So these are the what's, these are the how's. I want to challenge you here. What are we supposed to do with this gifting? We're supposed to bring it to bless the whole. And how do we do that? I'm going to read to you some of the, some of the, um, the different uh, uh, flavors of the gifts, Okay. I read about prophecy, pastoring, teaching, wisdom. I'm going to read some others. The gift of uh, giving. There are some of you who have, God has blessed you and given you the, the opportunity to be generous in your giving, financial and otherwise. The gift of helps. Somebody who likes to work behind the scenes but is always ready and available. The gift of mercy. This is someone who exhibits this, this, this conscious ability to forgive, to, to, to embrace the gift of, of, of missionary, evangelist, hospitality, faith, leadership, administration, miracles, healing, service, uh, <clears throat> celibacy, voluntary poverty, intercession, and deliverance. And how would we live out these gifts in sort of an everyday sort of way? I'm going to give you some things. Yes, you bring those gifts to the community for worship. 
Your gift might be in, in leadership. Your gift might be in faith, in prayer, in intercession. And we'll bring that together in worship. But you can take this gift and experience it not just in the community. There are other things that you can do. Before we get outside the community, let me give you some of the opportunities. The reason I'm telling you this is because this summer we have focused on the service ministries and all this, on the gifting of service. But not everyone has that gift. And yet uh, even though you are called to participate, it may not be your thing. The only way you're going to know, though, is if you take that pink spoon and you try a flavor that's the only way you're going to know that date is not your thing you got to taste it so we in the church over the course of the summer of this year we have provided various different opportunities for you to get a taste of the different ministries that utilize these gifts some of them are inward focused some of them are outward focused so this summer as you know we did the um uh the food the food bank San Diego Rescue Mission, the Monarch School for the Homeless. We're doing the beach cleanup. And there are other activities that are outward focused, but some of them have to do right here. I'm going to tell you some of these ministries that maybe need you. We need teachers in the children's department. We need people who have the gift of teaching, teaching Bible truths to the age-appropriate levels. Some of you are good intellectual teachers, but we need those that can break it down. We need aides. These are not teachers, but are there. They're helpful. They have the gift of helps. And we need supporters, people who contribute of their time and of their finances. And our discussion groups that happen here every Saturday, we need leaders, people who study, who have this, this gift of knowledge, who can interpret things. But we also need participants, people who will engage with them, people who will listen and challenge and hold them accountable to their uh, instruction. We have servant ministries here like deacons and greeters in the food ministry. You might be a good cook and you have this gift of hospitality. We need you. The church needs you. The body needs you. The common good depends on you. We have other volunteer ministries like we've done in the servathon during the summer. And we have worship ministries, coordinators, vocalists, uh, musicians. We have poets, uh, worship leaders. We have supporting ministries, audio techs, video techs, gear techs. There's all kinds of different places where you're called to serve that maybe you aren't doing it yet. And let me tell you, we don't care whether you have a long degree of Adventism or whether you just showed up here. We believe as long as you're here, God has that same open-door policy that Lem was singing about. And we want to make it possible and accessible for you to use your gift to bless the community. There are others finance ministries. We need people who help us uh, either in the donating or collecting or accounting. Different ministries there. We have the men's and women's groups. We need people who plan, who organize, as well as people who participate, <clears throat> who show up to do the work. And we have, of course, as you've heard this summer, missionaries. Those who volunteer to give their time to go out, far out. Those are opportunities that exist here. But outside of here, there are other opportunities. This is the how. You can use your gifts in your relationships. Let me give you some examples. Some of you can, uh, who have the special gift of, of uh, exhortation can give counsel or advice in your workplace. Maybe even amongst your family members. I'm not talking about lecturing people. I'm talking about listening, asking God, and then relaying what God has impressed upon your heart. We have people who are, uh, have the gift of, of being a good teacher by modeling out in the workplace, in your family, for your children. Use what God has impressed upon you and live that out so as to live an example to bless the generations that come. In your workplace, you can uh, use uh, God's gifting there to, to, to work in fairness, to work with integrity, to, to move towards excellence. 
So there's a lot of hows, both here locally and outside, in your family and in your workplace and in your sphere of influence. And God has given us all these different flavors to bring the vitality when we come together. Maybe there will be times when you need a certain kind of influence in your world that you do not have. And that's why God has provided someone in our community for you to draw on. But the common good is at stake if you do not contribute the gift that God has given you.